Welcome to another episode of Innovation Tech Talks. I'm your host, Aaron Vaughn. Today, we will be diving back into the world of NFTs, but maybe not as you know them. I'm joined by pseudonymous digital artist and curator Trippy, who has amassed an impressive online following, becoming the most followed creator of psychedelic digital art online. Trippy is pioneering the move toward the representation of digital art in the fine art world, exhibiting his and other artists' work at major events like Art Basel Miami. So I was just uh, scrolling through your Twitter and very, very cool stuff. Thanks. Tw- Twitter's kind of become the Web3 representation and then Instagram has just been the overall art representation. Right. Okay. Yeah. What was uh, Beyond Basil like? Is it Basil or Basil? Uh, I hear people say it both ways. I think Basil is technically... Basil. Um, okay. Got correct, it. Correct, but... Um, so what was the turnout for this one? Do you know? Uh, yeah, uh, over the three days, saw uh, over 30,000 people. Um, not all of those people are inside the gallery as there's a big music element to the outside part of the, the festival. And some of those guests are repeat guests, but over 30,000 people on the property over the three days of the festival. Right. That's pretty impressive. So, and, and how do you think the kind of the dark shadow that FTX has um, created over the crypto community, how do you think it, it did affect the event, if at all? I mean, I think it affects the event the most on like a sponsorship level because there's less money to go back into the space because of how many people on a institutional side of things were affected by it. Uh, I don't think it affected community enthusiasm um, very much, or even community turnout, but I think it, it heavily affects how much capital is able to be injected. Um, I think players like uh, FTX collapsing is an unfortunate inevitability that whenever it happens, of course, it's going to put a big dent into the market um, and, and be a, a temporary, temporarily negative thing. Um, but the way that that business was was being run, and unfortunately, new technology often attracts people that are grifters or not using um, the the technology in the in the most benevolent ways. Those people have to be ousted, and there's going to be a, a temporary uh, negative downside to that, or, or short term downside in the market. So, um, in many ways, it's nice to get past it and get over it, and to see that it's now been affecting the market for a while, and it really, we didn't see ETH dip below a thousand, and we saw things hold, um, honestly, better than I would have first assumed, so um, now to be on the other side of, of Basel and seeing uh, how much the community still turned up um, set in such an excited fashion, um, like I said, I, I think it was a bigger turnout than, than the year before when the market was technically much higher. Right, right. Yeah, well, you know, in any emerging market, uh, you know, you're going to have to make mistakes along the way as it reaches maturity, right? Yeah, I think it's the the technology and the potential use cases around it uh, are extremely exciting. And unfortunately, some of the people who uh, found the technology early on just didn't have the best use cases around it. And so um, I, I've kind of said for a while, like, I'm not bullish on really many of or any of the uh, current large BFP collections 
the technology and the artists and the community and um, so, so many elements, but I'm not particularly bullish on um, some of the people who have garnered the most um, revenue in the early stages. Right. And when you say community, uh, I mean, what, what do you mean by that? And what do you think the community will be moving forward? Because I, I think we've gotten to a point where the NFT kind of uh, mania has died down a little bit and you're starting to see a more niche community form around it that is more just around art and it's not around um, investors who, who may not know anything about traditional art, digital art, uh, you know, just trying to make a quick buck. Yeah, and I think that the, there's room for that side of things in the technology as well. I think it's just all gotten thrown into one big pot together, and it's kind of confusing or convoluted to figure out, especially to people newer to the space. So I think over the, the coming year, we'll see more of a separation between people that are using NFTs as a something to collect and people that are using NFTs as something to trade. And I think there is a use case for both of them. Unfortunately, they're just one term NFT that's kind of thrown at all of it. Um, and so I think it makes it confusing because there's, there's a really big difference between the person that's collecting on art blocks and showing up to Marfa to meet their favorite generative artist and the person who's like trading, looking at a blur chart, trying to pay zero royalties and catch a quick arbitrage in the market or something. Um, and all of that is kind of grouped together right now. And I think we'll see a lot more separation um, of that over the um, year to come. Okay. Yeah. So just to clarify, where exactly do you see NFTs going in the next year, and I know that's a broad term, but where do you see the direction of the the market? So I, I think there will there will be more more need for curation uh, to go back to art blocks, for example, in generative art. They've really um, defined themselves and their marketplace um, as a leading curator in that space, and with especially in the fine art world of things when. Uh, the fine art world peeks into the digital art side of NFTs, they think that there's a lot more need for a curation and exhibition. Um, and so I think there will be a lot more of that over the next year. I think it feels less like a rush that, oh, we have to get it now um, and, and not miss out. And there's more time for artists to plan, really understand the technology um, and figure out how it can be a medium in their wheelhouse as a creative. Right, okay. And when you say exhibition, I mean, do you mean exhibition in the metaverse or physically? I, I mean physically. Yeah. Um, I think the metaverse, quote-unquote, exhibitions and gallery space and all of those things are, are cool and serve a purpose. a long ways away from people not craving IRL experiences um, and wanting there to be uh, unique facets to when they come together in person and if you look at uh, the fine art world in general and the exhibitions that occur there um, there's a lot of interesting things happening there commingling um, fascinating people from various different backgrounds and worlds around um, some sort of curated subject matter that's being explored at a high level 
And so I think the fine art world has kind of fallen into certain ruts in some in some sort of ways of these certain things are collected and these sort of um, mediums are explored. And I think digital art world um, has brings some some fresh takes to that. Uh, but I I think that digital art needs to be displayed and exhibited and curated um, at a level that we see amongst fine art worlds and museums. Um, and I think we're going to be seeing more of that throughout the next year. Again, looking at like what Art Blocks and Bright Moments is doing, um, what, what they recently did in Marfa in Mexico City, but what Bright Moments has been doing um, throughout the the past year in uh, Berlin uh, in London, having these um, curated, specific uh, exhibitions where people come out and have, uh, in their case, a, a live IRL minting experience, but really a commingling of niche minds who are interested in exploring or progressing a specific element of the space. And so I think we've seen a lot of communities develop around PFP collections, but where are those PFP collections going other than the promise of a game or speculation? I think a lot of those people, um, if they haven't already, are becoming um, collectors or um, just becoming more more fascinated in other use cases around the technology. Like a, a common story I run into is a lot of people found the space just speculating and then became art collectors or became um, fascinated and supporting some avenue of it separate from just the speculation side of it. And so uh, I, I think it'll, it'll be really interesting to see that continue to develop. And I see that occur a lot in IRL exhibition spaces where people can really understand the, the scope of um, what, what they're coming together to, to see. Right, right. Yeah, I hear you. Um, it, it, the fine art world has gotten a little stale, uh, and I think um, digital art is a great way to bring some new life into it. Yeah, there's just not a lot of digital art um, representation in the fine art world or museum world yet. It's there, but it's not super prevalent yet. And all around Basel, that's definitely something that people are saying is just for how big digital art has become overall as a phenomenon, how much we are um, around it in our day-to-day -day life. Um, it's fascinating to not see it represented at that level at, at all of the fine art institutions. So cool for us as a collective community to be pushing more into that. Um, and I think you had a, another question um, earlier, more so around community. And I think um, just another point that is fun to make around that is I've been posting to Trippy on Instagram for almost a decade now and have developed a really large audience there. But to contrast that, in the last couple of years, I've grown uh, 10,000 followers on, on Twitter, specifically in the Web3 world. So I, I look at my overall social following maybe as more of an audience and maybe my Twitter following or the community that I have in the Web3 space, I refer to more so as a community and not just an audience because I've actually been able to interact with these people at an IRL event or gallery setting or I've been able to interact with them directly through Twitter spaces or clubhouses or um, at some point in trying to get... Um, the collective more known in the space or um, our art more known in the space, I've actually
actually rub shoulders with a lot of these people directly, which is way different than just posting something and having it be seen without any direct um, connection or association. So there has been a, a massive difference for me in the in the diverse community presence that, that I've been able to um, feel in Web3 world that I definitely wasn't able to um, feel at other points throughout growing a, a digital art audience um, just through social media. That's awesome. Uh, so uh, can you clue me in a little bit? Because I've never been to an IRL digital art exhibition. So obviously, like with some of this art, it's almost like fractals, uh, the, the way um, it's one thing moves into another and you're kind of going deeper and deeper and deeper into it. So do you have like screens where you can see this digital art? Because I understand that some of it could be, you know, just a you know, physical frame, a physical, you know, NFT, minted NFT piece of art on the wall. But some of it's more interactive than that, right? And if you're doing it in real life, um, how exactly do you exhibit that? Yeah, some of it is, is more interactive. Um, at our larger gallery exhibitions, I try to have both a gallery of 65, 85-inch large screens, but then also offset that with a anywhere between a 50 and 100-foot LED wall um, that's displaying finished works in a really large um, format, which a lot of artists haven't been able to showcase their art at that size before. Um, so one element of the gallery is for these large-scale um, displays, and that's a show file that's looping, and then there's a gallery side um, where there's more specific bios of each artist. Um, there are generative pieces of art, like uh, say something from the artist BT, where the piece is always evolving um, and different at all times. Um, and then cool. some pieces are simple um, JPEGs or MP4 video loops. Um, so everything can be represented or shown fairly simply on a screen. At Beyond this year, I brought in DForum, which is a, a dev group of really talented people on the cutting edge of AI. And they had a booth at one side of the gallery where they have a workstation where they're live experimenting in front of people. And so we built a station where people could come up and speak into a microphone. A picture of themselves would be taken, and whatever they spoke into the microphone would then immediately be changed or added into the photo. So if you said that you were, if you took a photo with your friend and said, we're two aliens in the style of Monet in a warehouse, the photo would immediately change to you of two aliens in that style and you would still see that the structure of the background of where you're at is still the same. You can tell that it was a photo that was taken in that same environment. And most people haven't seen um, voice prompt to image AI generation happen that quickly, or maybe not at all. So I try to have interactive elements like that. But in general, most of the galleries displaying finished works on screens in as high quality as possible. I don't care if the work is actually an NFT or actually minted. I'm for the exhibitions to be my favorite of digital art overall. Some of it's minted, some of it's for sale, but I don't define what's shown or what's not based on that. I, I try to pick based on what my favorite content from that artist's body of work from the past year is. And then I have a lot of relationships with these artists 
in the collective overall from posting so much digital art to Instagram over the past decade before NFTs were a big thing and from doing that before there was um, significant capital around the NFT side of things allowed me to develop a significant rapport with a lot of these artists, hence why I can have these gallery shows now or weave between doing different collaborations and creative projects between them because I have trust and rapport built with them from helping them grow before there was um, any like specific money or specific um, thing. It was just, it was fun to develop relationships with, with artists and there's going to be something to be done in the future with some sort of collective, but there is never any specific definition around it. So Trippy Labs or these events that we're doing now is kind of the culmination of the goodwill and reputation that was built over the past decade of just connecting with random creatives and sometimes doing projects with them, but oftentimes just developing a, a simple relationship. That's awesome. Today's episode of Innovation Tech Talks is brought to you by Omron. Omron is a world leader in technology designed to solve social issues, improve lives, and build a better tomorrow. They serve a range of industries which utilize their technologies to innovate and grow factory automation, healthcare, mobility, and energy management. In the industrial automation business, Omron technology demonstrates the power of machines to unleash human potential, pursuing the ideal in automation, in which people and machines are working together in harmony. Omron provides sensing, control, safety, vision, motion, and robotics technologies for the automotive, food and beverage packaging, semiconductor, electronics, life sciences, and infrastructure industries. For over 80 years, Omron has helped industrial businesses maximize potential by solving problems with creativity. Learn more, go to automation.omron.com. What do you think Sotheby's has done for NFTs and for digital art? Um, do you think it's helped or has it hindered? I think it's cool that Sotheby's and Christie's or any traditional fine art world institutions are paying attention to the um, space and, and trying to enter the market. I think in many ways having institutional players like that dip their toes in really validates it for all of the pioneers who were there before that happened. So regardless of if you like their curation or their um, place in the space. I do think them being here does help to validate it on a larger scale for many of the initiatory or or beginning players. Fair enough. Yeah, I I was just uh, talking about it from a standpoint of, uh, you know, once it is in one of those institutions and they have it for sale, then uh, there's a certain amount of value uh, that gets put on these pieces because of that, and then that value maybe gets overinflated, uh, and and that maybe casts a negative light on on NFTs in the market overall. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure there's cases of art being overinflated throughout history at different points in time. I think more times than not, these institutional players have backed artists that have meaningful or significant stories so i don't know i when i first started investigating fine art world i was so curious and like oh what is the manipulation here or the inflation over here and i think as i got deeper and deeper into it i realized like although inevitably that's always going to exist around the core um backstory of a lot of these either auction houses or museums or galleries are rooted in really cool family stories or really cool 
some sort of, of history that is really authentic. So um, I think I've grown more of an appreciation for some of those stories and look at it a bit less like is it manipulated or um, inflated because that's always going to be there. But I think the core of the market is still really driven by meaning or authentic stories. And yeah, I don't know. I, I guess diving more into that. I uh, feeling on that has changed, and I'm uh, I, I'm not so quick to naysay the the bigger players as I maybe once would have been. Right. So, and what's the value of anonymity? I mean, obviously it worked pretty well for Banksy. What is the benefit for, you know, not not showing your face and, and not showing your true identity to everybody? Well, I think uh, being either fully anonymous or pseudo-anonymous um, in crypto world has gained a lot of popularity because in, instead of how you um, look, you're judged specifically on what your accolades are or what you say on crypto Twitter or just how you're known in the space. So, um, and, and some people's reputation in the space is worth so much and is so valuable regardless if their actual um, uh, full name is, is known that people are willing to do large deals or trust them in things simply because of um, the reputation that they've, they've built. Um, I kind of have... A weird in between. I never posted myself and was completely anonymous up until NFT space started. But it's too hard to be fully anonymous um, when doing in real life events and to wear a mask or do things like that. Honestly, feels like it's asking um, for more attention sometimes than than not. So like I still don't post my face, but I don't specifically um, like I don't really do video interviews or anything like that. But if people post photos or like. Things, things are out there. Um, I think just not focusing on that and the brand being focused fully around art is, is more interesting. Like both my own art personally or Trivia Labs as a collective, like I really want all the focus to be on the variety and the aesthetic that's um, being portrayed or the meaningful backstories and the actual aesthetic of the characters involved doesn't have a lot to with it really so I, I think it's I think I started growing on social media at a time when lots of people were growing a personal brand and that was the, the thing to do and I, I really avoided that and I'm glad that I started an art, art incubator instead of uh, like personal uh, big social brand um, but as things have, have changed and grown over time it's less of a um, anonymous thing i guess i just don't focus on it got it yeah well that makes a lot of sense because like you said a lot of people are trying to grow their personal brand and you know social media generation is all all very uh shallow and it's all about promoting themselves so i think it's a great thing that you are first and foremost promoting the art it's fun to just have all the focus be on on that side of things and that's how i i started it and so fun to to keep that um, presence of as, as much as, as possible. Then the attention is on the collective and the output more so than what's what or who's on the back end of it. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, so what do you have coming up in the near future? What kind of projects, collaborations, shows? 
Um, so I think uh, the main focus is on NFT, NYC. Um, looking forward, I'm going to do at least one night with Samsung at their gallery um, location. I think it's 837 Washington. They have a really beautiful screen there. Um, and they were helpful with me for Beyond and invited me to do a day there. So I think that'll be a, a really um, uh, prestigious location to invite collectors to. I don't know if the space is big enough to um, support a, a, a full um, group, but we'll try to get as many people there as possible. And then we'll also do a larger um, music night, more akin to the vibe that people experienced at Beyond, um, and just haven't announced details around that yet. But as an overall trajectory for Trivia Labs, that's what we're looking to do is a few really large gallery slash festival um, exhibitions throughout the year where we have our own rendition of our favorite artists and musicians come through and do a um, large event. Um, and then we'll do a few small dinners and smaller showcases in between. Um, and then we've been working in-house with both the D-Forum um, team and uh, a few other developers on uh, our own AI projects where we're trying to pr um, progress audio reactive AI um, in live settings, um, particularly on stage for digital artists. So I think a lot of our events will tie into that throughout the upcoming year. And you'll see me release more art using that software and talking about it a lot more. Wow, very interesting. Yeah, yeah, I'd love to see that. Uh, so you have worked with a number of celebrities. Can you tell me who was most fun to work with? Uh, most meaningful, I think, was the Ross Albrecht project because Ross was one of the original people that inspired me to get into crypto, and I think his story is utterly atrocious. And so being able to be connected to it anyway, to the family, to draw any attention to that, um, and also just to see so many people come through and support that. That was, um, I think, by far the most meaningful project I've ever been able to associate to with Ukraine DAO, um, with Nadia Pazirai, um happening almost immediately after that. Mm -hmm. That's also as um, meaningful and, and close to our hearts um, on more of an NFT or metaverse project side of things. I think the biggest project there I typically point to is my early collaborations with Jadu, um, which is the AR company that went on to raise a um, really significant um, $40 million Series A um, at over a $200 million valuation. And I did their first collab Metaverse Collapse, only Metaverse project I've touched. Um, and then Grimes and Snoop Dogg and Lewis Hamilton also ended up coming and collaborating in on that project um, in, in the second iteration of it. Um, so yeah, I think as far as like biggest projects to point to, I usually point to that, um, trifecta and, uh, on the fine art world side of things, I brought Alex Gray and Allison Gray into Nifty Gateway early on and they had a significant seven figure drop that tied back into Cosm and Empion and the property that they're building in upstate New York. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, was Alex Gray one of your, um, inspirations, uh, getting into the art world? Uh, 100%. Um, I think Alex Gray was my initial inspiration for even founding 
trippy a decade ago. I think I always looked up to him and Allison Gray, his wife's story and their passion for building community and um, them coming and being a part of our events in any way or um, me being able to work with them is um, utterly valuable to me. I think when I realized that NFTs was becoming a, a big thing amongst my friends and I realized I had a, a big platform to go out and uh, curate releases, I tried to find my favorite music artist, which is Tell Us Anima, who um, I've done some projects with. I tried to work with my favorite traditional painters, which was Alex Gray and Allison Gray. And then I tried to work with my favorite revolutionary characters, which was Ross Albrecht and um, Nadia Pussy Riot. So I feel like I really hit this trifecta of working with, sure, there's bigger artists in the world, but as far as my personal passion and, and taste and curation, I really felt like I got to hit the perfect trifecta of music, art, um, and half-revolutionary character, half-charity. Um, so yeah, really excited by that, and, and those are characters who I'll work with more in the future as, as time allows to. Yeah, 100%. So, um, Ross Albrecht, um, he was the creator of Silk Road, right? He was the creator of Silk Road. He's serving two lifetimes in um, prison for um, his conviction with creating the website. Um, we started Free Ross Dow with Pleaser Dow and his mom um, to raise money for his legal defense and also serve as a fund for Future, future criminal justice reform in general. Right, that's a great cause. Um, so were you able to speak with him one-on-one -on -one if he's serving these sentences, the, the consecutive life sentences? Yeah, it was a really eerie emotional process that took, man, uh, almost a full year. Um, Ross has really limited uh, minutes that he's allowed to speak to people and in the background you hear automated recordings that you're speaking to a federal inmate and the calls being watched and there's all sorts of weird things where the calls hang up or it just doesn't work and think it's hard for me just calling into him randomly think how hard it is for the mom and the family who's like constantly flying to try to get to see him for visitation but because of COVID or because of uh, the behavior of another inmate or because of some new regulation that occurred, they fly all the way there and then can't even see their imprisoned son. I mean, it was a really emotional, crazy process to see um, someone who's getting made an example of on a federal level and not only what's happening to them, but happening to their family around it. And even people who aren't any fans of Ross or think that he should be in prison and think what he did was the worst thing in the world, people still look at that sentence um, and even his biggest opposers think that it's a really unjust and unfair sentence. So, um, yeah, really, that, that was a really uh, incredibly meaningful project to get close to, but really emotional and uh, um, just challenging to get a peek into what, especially when Ross's mom's day-to-day -day life is like. Right, yeah, I'm, I'm sure that was a lot. So it must have been, yeah, very meaningful for you to uh, shed a light on what happened to him and, like you said, uh, help uh, uh, criminal justice reform move forward as well. So it sounds like you're using your platform as much as possible uh, to, um, you're dedicating it to the causes that you believe in. Yeah, I, thanks for, for saying that. We're all really 
proud to um, have put that together. And obviously, you don't know when bull runs are going to happen or when bear markets are going to happen. And it's cool to look back and see that a bunch of the last bull run was spent in raising and in, in using the Web3 and NFTs as a way to raise massive amount of capital for these two causes that were utterly meaningful. And without um, NFTs being used, um, there's no way that those that amount of money would have been raised. Um, there's lots of other people raising money for Ukraine. There's lots of other people that have tried to raise money for um, Ross. It was um, taking use of an emerging technology um, in promoting it specifically to an audience that really embraced and appreciated this technology being associated to um, something that they believed in. It was the commingling of that at the right time that really helped to raise significant capital for these causes. So in just amongst the team, we've talked about it a lot over the past month. And looking back at it, I think it feels really, um, really like heartwarming. And last puzzle, um, the whole event was just around um, the Ross release and trying to draw attention to it and have dinners. And um, because I wasn't taking money from it, I could really go to a lot of the heavy hitters and collectors and be like, how well have you done off of crypto? <laughs> it's just not a story that you would want to support. And I think it's hard for the mom to go and have that same um, kind of vibe. So right. I really was able to push there a lot harder than I'd ever be able to push for really anything else. So same thing with Ukraine, too. Um, just there's such important issues um, that almost everyone aligns on that able to push a lot harder than Right. I, I know. Yeah. Th- I know that um, the members of Pussy Riot were imprisoned in Russia for a little while, right? Or are, are they still imprisoned? Um, different members of Pussy Riot are still in and out of um, prison for different situations. Pussy Riot, as a um, activist group and collective, spans a ton of different members in the Web three scene. You typically see Pussy Riot as Nadia, who's the lead figure in um, Pussy Riot and it's mostly her music and her activism inside Web3 world. She's she's the one of the group that is, is um, most active. She spent two years in prison while her daughter was very young um, but is not in prison now. Um, is here in the US wouldn't be able to travel back to Russia of course. Right. So, uh, with your future projects, uh, are there any other causes that you're looking to uh, be a part of and raise capital for? Um, future projects will definitely tie back into uh, Unicorn Dow, which is Nadia's um, project uh, that was the successor to Ukraine Dow. She's put so much love into that, um, and we are always highlighting that at galleries and wanting to involve ourselves more in that. Um, Free Ross Dow is also still chugging along, and um, we'll definitely want to do something around that cause at future events. Then um, I think as far as um, charitable uh, work goes, those two things have really enveloped um, our, our focus. But as other things come to the table that make sense, we're super open to um, trying to tie anything we do back into it. A meaningful cause. Awesome. I love it. Is there anything that you'd like to add before we wrap up? 
No, I might have more more thoughts um, over text, but I think this is a decent summary of um, thoughts on our mind and a decent synopsis of um, Beyond. But I appreciate your time. Yeah, I appreciate your time too. Um, it was great to connect with you, and I look forward to following you and all of your future projects and, and getting into uh, some of these DAOs that you talked about as well. I appreciate you saying that. I appreciate your time. <laughs> uh, thank you, brother. And 